Welcome to the New Hope 365 podcast. Due to the rising number of COVID cases in our area, we are once again having church online only. For the easiest way to keep up with the latest information about New Hope 365, you can download our app by searching New Hope Round Rock in your favorite app store. And now, here is today's message. Good morning and welcome to New Hope 365. I am so glad that you have chosen to tune in with us, whether you're doing it uh, live right now online or you're watching later on one of our platforms, YouTube or Facebook or uh, whatever, wherever you may be tuning in, I'm glad that you have chosen to be with us. I'm going to ask you right now where you're at to bow your head, close your eyes. Heavenly Father, right now in this moment, I ask that you would speak to us through your word, teach us, God, as you desire, and want us to learn at this very moment in 2020. God, I pray right now where the enemy would like to thwart or stop any of our teaching or preaching in any way would like to sabotage it, I ask, Father, that you would right now just protect what I'm about to preach and what I'm about to teach. I pray also, God, for those that are listening and tuning in online, I pray, Father, that the blinders will be removed from any eyes that need the removing of those blinders and that they would truly see, O God, what it is you're trying to do and accomplish today and in the weeks and months to come. Open ears to hear, O God. Transform right now. This is for your glory and your awesome and mighty name, God. We pray, amen. So we are continuing on in a series that's entitled Reality, the battle between good and evil. And the reason I chose to go down the route of tackling the topic of the battle between good and evil is you don't have to walk or go very far to see the things that are spinning right now in our culture. The stuff that's taking place on the street, the stuff that's taking place behind closed doors, the political turmoil, uh, the pandemic, uh, virus, uh, sickness, and then, and then somebody um, it will you know, mock somebody for wearing a mask or, or not wearing a mask. They'll mock somebody. They'll, you'll, you'll literally have people bantering back and forth over things that seem so menial, but yet it's a big deal to many people in culture. The reality is, is what you are seeing around right now is the unseen realm impacting the seen realm. When you see anger and hate and animosity and tension and racism and sickness and all of that, it's a result of sin in our culture and a result of the spiritual warfare that is taking place right now on our, on our watch. And so a few weeks ago, as we launched into this series, I talked about how we have a common thread if we call ourselves a Christian. And what is that common thread? That we believe in the unseen realm. That there's a realm in which God is at work and the demons and, 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 and demons and Satan are at work and angels are at work. Their unseen realm impacts the seen realm and the seen realm impacts the unseen realm. So we are very aware as Christians that that is real. And then 
I talked about God's divine counsel in how God has created messengers, angels, that will go and do his bidding. They will go and minister, and they will go and be, have, be messengers, and they will go and be warriors. And then we know that through the word of God that there was a war in heaven and that Satan and his demons chose to fight God, wanted to be like God or greater than God, and they battled and there was a battle in heaven. And Satan and his demons were thrown down and they took the battle from heaven to earth and are still waging war to this very day. So the reality is, as you were born, you entered into a battle for your soul and for your life. Then, today, this is what I wanted to tackle and I wanted to speak to us because of how big this topic is. I wanted to look at the topic of Jesus in the battle, in this supernatural battle that we have going on. So God sent his son, Jesus, into the world and when he sent Jesus into the world, Jesus came to battle and ultimately destroy Satan's work in his dominion. And so we're looking today at Jesus' supernatural battle. And I found and have read for years some of Charles Spurgeon's messages and sermons, and one of his greatest sermons will help set the tone today to provide you imagery for the victory that we have in Jesus Christ on the cross. So here we go. Charles Spurgeon. He says this, Satan came up against Christ. He had in his hand a sharp sword called the law, dipped in the poison of sin so that every wound which the law inflicted was deadly. Christ dashed the sword out of Satan's hand, and there stood the prince of darkness unarmed. His helmet was cleft in twain, and his head was crushed as with a rod of iron. Death rose against Christ. The Savior snatched his quiver from him and emptied all his darts, and he cut them in two, gave death back the feather end, and he kept the poison barbs from him that he might never destroy the ransom. Since sin came against Christ, but sin was utterly cut in pieces, all your enemies and mine totally disarmed. Satan has nothing left him now wherewith he may attack us. The crown is taken from Satan. His reigning power is gone. He may tempt, but he cannot compel. He may threaten, but he cannot subdue. In, if Christ on the cross hath spoiled Satan, let us not be afraid to encounter the great enemy of our souls. Let us not fear. The result of the battle is certain. For as the Lord our Savior hath overcome once, even so shall we most surely conquer in him. Be ye none of you afraid with sudden fear. When the evil one cometh upon you, hold up the cross before you. Though this much tribulation shall you inherit the kingdom, go ye up against them, put your feet upon their necks, fear not, neither be ye dismayed, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will deliver them into your hands. Be very courageous, remembering that you have to fight with a what? Stingless dragon. He may hiss, but his teeth are broken and his poison fang extracted. You have to do battle with an enemy already scarred by your master's weapons. Be not 
afraid. The lion may howl, but rend you in pieces he never can. The enemy may rush in upon you with hideous noise and terrible alarms, but there is no real cause for fear. Stand fast in the Lord. Ye war against a king who hath lost his crown. Rejoice, rejoice ye in the day of battle, for it is for you but the beginning of an eternity in triumph. I thought that was really, really powerful. And Jesus won the battle for us, and we don't have to live defeated, do we, anymore. But we need to understand the battle between good and evil and how Jesus played his part and continues to play his part. So today we'll talk about Jesus, but I'm setting this up for in the weeks to come, able to share, I'm going to share with you God's tactics that we can employ by the power of the Holy Spirit so we can live victorious in a world that's gone mad and crazy. So let's talk angels and Jesus. So we know that the Son of God was born as a baby to Joseph and Mary, and what he did is he brought the battle from heaven to earth, and God sent an angel to tell them that Jesus was coming. And in, in him sending, God sending an angel to tell them that Jesus was coming, we see in that moment the angelic ministry in the life of Jesus. In the unseen realm, what? The angels came to the seen realm and served Jesus in this earthly life. Remember, the angels are the divine counsel of God. And what he did, what he deployed was his angels to take care of Jesus. Here are some examples. In fact, there are actually 13 in the Bible cases where we see the angelic counsel coming and, and, and speaking of Jesus and connected to his life. First, an angel promised the birth ministry of John the baptizer, the forerunner of Jesus. Two, an angel named Jesus. An angel told Mary she was chosen to be Jesus' virgin mother. An angel told Mary and Joseph to parent Jesus. Angels told the shepherds Jesus was born. Angels worshiped Jesus at his birth. Angels warned Jesus' parents of the coming genocide so they could do what? Flee to Egypt. Angels strengthened Jesus after his temptation battle with Satan. An angel strengthened Jesus in Gethsemane before the cross. An angel rolled the stone away from Jesus' tomb. An angel told two women at the empty tomb that Jesus had risen. Two angels comforted Mary Magdalene and reunited her with Jesus. Angels promised that Jesus would be coming again. And still yet to come is angels will declare Jesus' victory and ride into history with him for war in the end. So we see that Jesus coming deployed heaven's armies and heaven's divine counsel, and Jesus was impacted by that. It is very real, and it impacts and can impact our life to this day. Now, enter Satan. We see Jesus being comforted by angels, taken care of by angels, and now Satan comes in and he attacks Jesus. So, Satan's attacks, attacks on Jesus ultimately began when he was born. When he was born. Think about it. The moment it was talked about in culture that Jesus was emerging onto the scene, what happened? 
We know that there were shepherds out in a field and multitudes of angels sang, and we know that wise men saw a star, and the prophetic was given that this Jesus was going to be born in Bethlehem. And so they come and they search out Jesus, and then they go and they, as they're searching Jesus out, they go to Herod and they explain to King Herod that there's going to be a new king, a Messiah. A savior and King Herod, as you know, and from the from the text of Scripture, states, "Well, you got to tell me when he's born and where I can come and how I can bow down and how I can worship him." Well, we know that King Herod had no intention to worship King Jesus. In fact, Herod was so insecure and so influenced by Satan, the devil, that he sought to destroy Jesus. And when the angelic world came and spoke to the wise men. They didn't even go and tell Herod anything after they had left. And then Herod finds out that he had been duped. And look at Matthew chapter 2, verses 16 through 18. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Think about that. The evil that is spinning, the unseen realm that is impacting Herod to do what? Satan knows that this Jesus needs to be destroyed, and he takes and he influences this king. And then it went on and said, through the prophet Jeremiah, through this, the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled, a voice heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they were no more. So we see Jesus from the beginning, the attack of the enemy against his life. And then Jesus was attacked by the tempter, as we know in the story from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. What's interesting is that Jesus was brought before the tempter, and the tempter was offering a path for Jesus. And God was offering a path for Jesus. One path was the cross and hardship and trials. And one path was saying, you don't need the cross. I can make life easy for you. There's not going to be any suffering in your life, but you just got to worship and bow down to me. Jesus had two paths, and Satan wanted nothing else but Jesus to bow down to him. And that battle is still raging for your heart and for my heart. And so Jesus then... In this story, he was led by the Spirit. If you look at Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let me stop there. It is imperative that if you are going to be able to stand against the enemy and, with, and, and stand against the temptation that comes your way, it is important to know the truth of the Word of God. If, if you think for a moment that you are strong enough, big enough, good enough, whatever, to withstand the enemy, you have, you have faulty thinking because you cannot do it without the very Spirit of God and His Word instilled in your heart to be able to combat 
the enemy. And so Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, Now, the enemy is using words against words of God against Jesus. And he said, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. It is important for you to know the real versus the counterfeit. If you don't know what the Word of God says and what the Word of God teaches and you don't study the Word of God and you don't go beyond just me talking to you, what could happen is you could ultimately get sucked into a cult and go down a road that could be very destructive for you. And if there's ever a time where we need to know the truth and we need to understand the truth of the Word of God, it is today. And so Jesus then goes, oh, okay, you're going to use that. Um, it is, he answered, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came. What? The divine council came and attended to him. So we see Jesus here taking and using the word of God, he's being assaulted by the enemy. But what's in, what we need to grow and understand is that when Jesus went out into the wilderness, what had happened before he went out there? He actually went into the waters of baptism. He had given, he, had, he, had, he walked in the waters of baptism. He then was filled with the spirit of God. And then he was taken out to be tempted by Satan. It is imperative that you and myself seek the continual filling of the spirit of God in our life and that we continually pursue him so that we don't get sucked into the temptations that Satan brings our way. An old Puritan preacher named Thomas Brooks wrote an insightful book on spiritual warfare called Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices. He uses the fishing metaphor. And in there, he says that Satan likes to take a hook and bait it. And he baits it with sex and money and power and pleasure and fame and fortune and relationships. And he baits the hook, he puts it out there, and when you take the hook, he then pulls the hook back, and when, what he does is he then takes you and, and brings you into shore, ultimately to do what? To club you and gut you is what he said in his book. There is no... Satan has no desire to see you thrive, to see you exceed, to see you healed, to see you changed, to see you transformed. So, the backdrop of Jesus' entire life is spiritual warfare. The total backdrop is spiritual warfare. Everything leading up to the cross. And I think that oftentimes we have set aside what spiritual warfare is going on around us. And we just live in this seen realm and we forget that the unseen realm is seeking to impact the seen realm. And if we're not on alert and if we're not sober and we're not vigilant, we can be sucked in to the schemes of Satan. So Jesus' life is spiritual warfare leading up to the cross. 
And Satan even nearly got Peter to join the demonic rebellion. In fact, in Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 32, it says this, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift, sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. So what is Satan trying to do? He's trying to recruit culture. He's trying to recruit neighbors and co-workers and children. And the deception is going on every day of your life. And he's trying to get them to enter his rebellion. But the good news is, just like in Luke chapter 22, is that Jesus continually prays for you. He prays for you. I love this. Hebrews 7, verse 25 says, Therefore, he, that is Jesus, is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Thank you, God, that we live with a heavenly Father and a Son that is totally praying on our behalf so that we will not be taken out. Isn't that encouraging? I see that is encouraging. And then the next time you battle with the enemy and you sense that he's coming against you and he's coming against your family and he's coming against you in the marketplace or he's coming against your extended family or, or he's just doing something to you personally, think about and envision Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of the Father praying for you to win the battle that you're in. I love what Romans 8.34 says. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. I love that. And then, on the flip side, we know the story of Judas Iscariot, who welcomed Satan and he conspired with him to betray Jesus and ultimately handed him over to be crucified. And all of that was spiritual warfare. All of that was going on behind the scenes. And John chapter 13, verse 27 says this, As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, What you are about to do, do quickly. So, interesting about all of this is that we know the outcome of what took place with Jesus. But I don't think... And, and I, honestly, I know that Satan and the demons and the powers behind all that was taking place, if they had known what it meant that Jesus would in fact be taken to the cross and die and that he would, what? Rise from the dead and overcome death, hell, and the grave, they would never, ever have done what they did. But they thought they had him. They thought they, they had taken care of this Savior and what Herod couldn't do from the beginning. They, behind the scenes in the unseen realm, had taken Jesus out and used Judas and used the different leaders of that day to destroy this Jesus. And Isaiah 45, verse 15 says that truly you are a God who has been hiding himself, the God and Savior of Israel. And on the cross, when Jesus bled and died, and as you look to the cross, and as you see what he's done, and by faith, as you look to the cross, you see that he would go to any length to conquer our common enemy, the devil. Jesus would do whatever it 
takes. And I love what 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8 says. In Jesus' words on the cross, he said, it is finished. And he heralds the deliverance. So before I read 1 Corinthians 2, verse 8, I love the fact that when he said it's finished, that he heralded the deliverance. And I think that's when the devil realized that he had made a big mistake. And it says in 1 Corinthians 2.8, none of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had understood, meaning they didn't understand Jesus, and they didn't understand the death of Jesus, if they had understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So, we see what Jesus did. We see Jesus' part. We see the, the unseen realm impacting the seen realm. We see the angelic divine counsel coming in and helping Jesus and taking care of Jesus in different times. We see the enemy's tactical approaches to kill and destroy this Messiah that has saved you and I by faith, by grace, uh, by faith through grace, by grace through faith. I'll get it right. Here we go. And, and we see the impact of that in our own lives. And then we get to Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15, and we see that it says, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual, what? Rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. And so, what do we do? We long for the day that the final defeat of the dragon, Satan, will take place with the return of Jesus. And Colossians chapter 1, verses 10 through 14 says this, and this is tied to forgiveness. No, I'm sorry, come back. First Corinthians, uh, Colossians 1, 10 through 14 says, Then the way you will live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thinking, thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of what? The kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. So huge for those of us that call ourselves Christians. Then, think about this. Though Satan was defeated through the cross, Satan and his demons, though, have not been destroyed until the final judgment at Jesus' white throne. So what happens is their work continues on in this earth. And we see, and literally, as you turn on the news, go to the internet, take out your smartphone, you, you engage anything that's going on in culture, and you, as a follower of Jesus, 
can be sure that what you're reading, what you're seeing, what you're hearing, all of that tension is tied to the unseen realm and the demonic impacting the seen realm here. And we can't turn that off and we can't be naive and we can't think that just because we don't see it, it doesn't exist and it's not real. Because that's exactly what the enemy of your soul would love you to do is to think, oh, just go about your life. Go, don't worry about it. It's going to be okay when the elections come or when the virus goes away or when school starts back up. Everything will be back all as normal and he would love for you to just see this world as something that is just an easy path that you don't need God and you don't need a savior and you don't need help and you don't need his spirit and you don't need miracles but that's a lie straight from the pit of hell you do need Jesus and the enemy knows his hour is late he knows that it is soon that he will be destroyed and that's why it is important for us, the church, to wake up, be tuned into what's taking place, understand the counterfeits, and know the real. And as you know the real, you'll be able to. As you know the real, as you study the real, and as you ask for the Spirit of God to fill you, it is He and He alone in you that will help you to withstand the barrage and attacks that will come your way. And you, you do not have to remain beat up knocked down. This is encouraging. Last thoughts. The devil and his demons have no legal authority over any believer. They have no right to come into your home, into your workplace, to hurt you personally. They have no legal authority. They may take advantage of our sin, our folly, our weakness, our fear, our unbelief, and that's why we need to take those things and give them to God, surrender them, ask for forgiveness if we need to ask for forgiveness get them removed from us so that the enemy doesn't have an open door into any part of our life and so their ownership though dominion and condemnation that the enemy may bring and the demons may bring the condemnation ownership and dominion were canceled at the cross of jesus christ so you get a picture of what has been taking place from the war in heaven to the divine counsel to mankind falling and falling into sin because of what Adam and Eve did. I talked about that last week. And now you see Jesus coming, taking on the battle, winning the battle, but yet the enemy is still not completely destroyed. He was defeated, but not completely destroyed. And so in the weeks ahead, what I'm going to be sharing is God's tactics that we will employ by the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of the Holy Spirit, so we can live victorious in a world that's gone absolutely mad and crazy. So take heart. Don't let all the things out there take you down. Don't let all the things that are, are out there being said get you anxious and fearful. All of those things, the anxiety and the fear and the worry and the distress, are all tactics of the enemy to keep us from being what God desired and designed us to be. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Heavenly Father, I thank you today for what you're doing in your church. I thank you how you are raising up generations of Christ followers that will know the truth, know the real, and understand the counterfeit. 
That God, these are generations of Christians that you're waking up and raising up to God know that the enemy has been defeated but yet not destroyed. And that we will, God, live soberly, help us to live soberly and uprightly, daily being filled with your Spirit and knowing your Word so that we, O God, can withstand the attacks of the enemy. Help us to close any doors that we've opened to sin and darkness. Help us today to slam those doors so that, God, Satan will have no authority or power or right in our lives. I pray right now for those that are listening, if there's anybody that does not know Jesus, and they've been being beat up, and they're wondering why the world is so terrible and so bad and awful, that today they would give their life to you, Jesus. They would repent of their sin, ask you to come into their life and transform them. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing right now in our lives all around the world. God, you are waking up your church. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Thanks for loving us. In your awesome and mighty name we pray. Amen. If today you need prayer, if today you have given your life to Jesus, if today you need a miracle, you need healing, you can go to our church online and you can uh, let us know. Uh, we have somebody that's navigating that and there to help you. You can also click on the tab on church online that says next steps and we will help you on the journey towards becoming whole in Jesus Christ. If you are on another platform, one other thing is that you can just go to info at newhope365.us and you can email me and let me know what it is that you desire, what prayer, healing, miracle, transformation, whatever it might be, coming, coming to Jesus, and we will follow up with you and, again, help you on that journey. That being said, God bless you. May you have an incredible, incredible week. And I pray that until next time, our Lord will just continue to protect you and touch your life in an awesome, awesome way. God bless. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd like to invite you to visit our website for all the latest news and announcements for New Hope 365. We have added some temporary buttons to our homepage to make it quick and easy for you to request prayer, sign up for our email list, see current needs and opportunities to serve, as well as give. You can find it all at newhope365.church. That's newhope, the numbers 365.church.